It's time for Watch and Learn, the show where we discuss the life lessons we learn from the movies we watch. Today, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Hey, movie maniacs, my name is Sky, and I'm joined once again by my brother, Dusty. Dusty, what is going on? What's up, dude? So I hate watching bad movies. How about you? Yes, I do, and it, <laughs> it's kind of bummed me out. We've had two bad movies leading up to this with Godzilla and Dark Phoenix, so I was I had high hopes for The Dead Don't Die. Okay, so... I went and watched it on Tuesday, and I didn't go to the $5 theater. Uh, usually, AMC here where I live, they have a $5 Tuesday, which I love going there because it's only 5 bucks. Well, this wasn't playing there, and I, I guess I know why now. So it was at a different theater, and I had to pay $10 in a matinee. I was like, a, a matinee for 10 bucks It's so stupid. Yeah, that anyway, is. So I'm sitting in the movie, and I'm watching it, and literally 20 minutes into it, I start feeling get a sense like, I don't think this is going to get any better. And then another 10 minutes rolls by. It's like, it's not getting any better. And I'm like, okay, come on. It's got Bill Murray. It's got Steve Buscemi. It's got uh, Danny Glover. You know, it's got to be good. And then I saw that Disney girl, um, Gomez. Selena Gomez come on the stream. I'm like, it's not getting any better. I want my money back. I haven't walked out on a movie in a long time. And Not this since was Zoolander, one. right? I... I think you're right. I haven't walked out of Zoolander. I walked out, which now I look back and that was a dumb, dumb move because it was (laughs) absolutely hilarious. But uh, because I watched it many times since then. But anyways, I walked out. What did you do? I stayed. I was really hoping it would get good. Um, I I don't know. I I was having fun the first 20 minutes. I know you said you were bored, but I was just kind of like hoping and and I, I. this could have gone in so many good ways. Everybody could have come together. They could have fought against the dead. It could have been a great story, but it went nowhere. And maybe at about the time that you left, I started to get the feeling that it would go nowhere, but I stuck with it in hopes it it would. And it didn't. I was disappointed for sure. Yeah. So what scene was it that you felt like, okay, this might not be a good movie. Um, it was when they went, you, you had probably already left the hotel. It's when the cops went back to the hotel and they found the dead bodies of Selena Gomez and her two friends, because I figured if they're going to be in the movie, they're going to eventually, everybody's going to meet up, right? Danny Glover, Bill Murray, um, Adam Driver, Selena Gomez, the kids from that, uh, uh, disciplinary, whatever school, um, uh, figured everybody would come together then fight the zombies but when they all died I figured ah what a bummer it's a letdown but I'm gonna stick with it and I shouldn't have I should have left like you did it was it, it looked like I mean it was really promising there was a lot of different um ways that, like you said the ways the story can go and different characters different groups of characters but like it, they never meet up like it just it's just so weird so for me the point that I thought okay this is probably a crappy movie they're trying to shove something down my throat was when I saw Steve Buscemi wearing a red, and it said it didn't say "Make America Great Again." It said "Make America White Again," and I was like, "What? Nobody wears that hat. That's so stupid. I don't care if you're left or right. Like just lying or trying to paint the other one. Like if somebody said socialism is the best thing ever, and they wore it as a hat, and we know it's horrible. Or I don't know what. It just whatever. It's just." It takes pulls me right out of reality or right back into reality. Like this is a crappy movie, and then they started talking about like uh, polar fracking, and they're, they're just trying to shove it down your throat. I'm like, dude, clown, just dance for me on the screen. I'm not paying <laughs> you to give me any dribble. Just dance for me. So it was at that time, and then I just really started watching it, thinking it's not going to get any better. Yeah, I thought those exact same things, but I was just hoping against hope, and it, it didn't pan out. And so what happened was, you know, after the movie, you got out of the theater, you called me and said, I didn't even freaking bother watching it. So you and I decided um, a, a few weeks ago, we had recorded Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, a whole Lessons Learned spoiler review episode, but we kind of postponed it because there was some good stuff, hope, you know, potentially good stuff out in theaters. But you and I figured, right? I mean, you didn't go see the movie. I thought it was terrible. We don't want to do three bad reviews reviews in a row let's play this really great movie that we both loved we absolutely love this movie guardians of the galaxy and i remember um we recorded just a little bit ago and it's such a fun one to record and i'm definitely going to go back and listen to it because i don't remember exactly what we said <laughs> but the movie is terrific i love guardians of the galaxy one and two looking forward to 
part three. Hopefully Thor is going to be a big part of it just as long as, or just as well as the rest of the Guardians. Now they're as Guardian of the Galaxy. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. So uh, go ahead, everybody listening, grab some popcorn, tune in for the next 55 minutes as we talk about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. All right, let's do this. Hey, hey, Movie Maniacs. My name is Chun Lee, and I'm joined once again by Jackknife. What's the haps, Jackknife? Dude, our outlaw names are super cool especially mine chun lee right (laughs) (laughs) that is the best one i don't think it's i've ever heard of that before so good job nice man thank you very (laughs) much so how has uh how have things been going good it's going really great and you know what's fun i've actually i just went and watched the avengers endgame again because i I, this is the third time i've seen in theaters it's just a fantastic movie and while i when obviously we're recording this and i um it's wait 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 wait. spoilers just in case okay (laughs) again i've said this before i'll say it again if you listen to a review podcast of a movie you'll know there will always be spoilers in there so that's definitely i i meant spoilers for end game because you're just about to talk about it i get this well everything we talk about in this show is always spoilers so true that true that i agree but no no I, i was just thinking or watching it again it's such a super enjoyable movie all of the mc movies the only one that's uh, there there's a couple that are lower that i don't necessarily want or would care to watch again but majority of them are really really good um one thing that i wanted to do i wanted to watch endgame in the special dolby digital um room that oh that's right AMC. with smell vision yeah there you go <laughs> and so what was interesting is it has um it's supposed to have some speakers by you like right in your your um your chair which i didn't really notice maybe that maybe they just mean there's a subwoofer but there is a subwoofer in your chair now what's sad is only a few times that i actually really recognize it being there and if you could think of a time in the end game at the very very end when they're doing the big battle and you see ant-man who is now large ant-man running when you hear him you know stomping i felt i felt the rumbling then but outside of that even there's a couple other spots like when their things are blowing up but i didn't really it, it wasn't that much more and the sound wasn't that much better it's a dolby digital like all experience but for an extra i think it's like an extra well it's it's i think it's like 13 or 15 dollars to go watch a movie there as opposed to 11 for a regular one during the matinee or a uh, um, prime time but um yeah so if i went on a tuesday uh it's a five dollar tuesday the taco five dollar tuesday if i went on a five dollar tuesday i had to pay like 450 more just to watch it in dolby digital so in my opinion i am not gonna go to the dolby digital again just because it's just a waste of money in my opinion you know Thinking about the movie that you chose to go see Dolby Digital, it doesn't have that much action unless you want to like feel your seat vibrate every time um, Black Widow crunches down on her peanut butter and jelly sandwich or something. <laughs> it, it has a lot of, I don't want to say slow parts, but non-action sequences, right? Like it's a lot of storytelling, a lot of character development stuff. So it makes sense. But if you watched the Dolby Digital version of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, I guarantee you would feel your butt rumbling so much more. You know what? You're probably right. I might have to give it a chance. <laughs> if they do a reshowing of Guardians of the Galaxy 2. <laughs> so yep. you you obviously now have a good outlaw name. I'm going to make sure I call you that every single time, Chun-Li. Yeah, Chun-Li. perfect. And I... In watching Guardians of the Galaxy 1, really got me thinking of how awesome the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise is and all the characters. And, you know, I thought I was just going to really enjoy um, uh, Peter Quill and Star-Lord's character. But I really like all the characters. Even Drax is hilarious, you know, eating a Zarg nut and standing there. <laughs> like, the writers, or the writer being James Gunn and whoever else was helping him, just brilliant adding in just super fun things. That Like, man, who thinks of this sort of stuff? But it's awesome. Uh, 100% man infinity war added to the characters that we got to learn and or got to know and love in guardians one and two for sure that zargna scene you're right about that it's incredibly smart i don't know i maybe i can look into it i don't know if marcus and mcfeely the writers for infinity war actually wrote that zargna scene my guess is they did but my guess is it's it's totally possible that James Gunn wrote that scene for them. They made a few little tweaks, um, but it, it would be interesting to know whether or not they did it or James Gunn wrote it. Yeah, and 
I love how in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, it picks up, not necessarily right where you leave off, but it picks up with the characters, and it's almost like it's it's, it's basically the same movie, you know, and um, you could just watch them back to back, and that's what I actually did with my kids on a Saturday, Friday night. We watched Guardians of the Galaxy 1, and then we loved it, and we were like, we gotta watch part 2, so Saturday night, we watched part 2, and it was so great. Now, I really, really enjoyed the opening scene it was so the first time i saw it i think that was one of the last trailers that i watched for any marvel movie was guardians of the galaxy 2 before the movie came out and what i loved was in the trailer you hear one song playing it's the chain by um uh my goodness i know the name Fleetwood Mac. The chain yeah. by Fleetwood Mac, you know, group plugs it in and you hear dum bum 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 bum. And so you hear that. That's in the trailer. But when you watch the movie, it's totally different. It's the um uh, Mr. Blue Sky by um 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 my goodness. Blue no Electric Light Orchestra. Electric Light Orchestra. There you go. Um yeah, so it's a whole different environment. It you know brings a whole different nuance. Just like with Guardians of the Galaxy One, the music really helps drive the movie. Same exact thing here. It's a fun, playful thing, and then it's just you see Groot dancing around. I thought it was fantastic. One hundred percent. So uh, this begs the question: Which volume is better, Awesome Mix Volume One or Volume Two? Oh, I I have honestly, a really quick and easy answer. I love it. For me. I would say that I would listen to more of the songs on Volume 1 than Volume 2, but Volume 2 is really good, too. Oh, man, you're opposite of me. Volume 2 all day long. I freaking... And it might be because of one song in particular, but all of the songs are good. But um, Brandy by Looking Glass, you know, it, it's it's really funny when um, Kurt Russell's character, Ego, says that Brandy is one of potentially one of the finest songs ever created on earth i agree with that i freaking love the song when it first came out i've I've heard the song before but it never really struck me until this movie i love the brandy opening scene i love it when they use it later in this in the movie not just hearing it later but then when kurt russell actually talks about and and puts their characters in context of that song it became one of my favorite songs ever and i literally listened to it on a loop at my desk as I was doing my work for weeks after this movie came out. I love Brandy, so Volume Two is my choice. That's that's a great point. Um, I you know as I go back, I listen to all the songs, not all of them because there's some of my um, like like the Cherry Bomb song from the first one. It's, oh, it's a, really? It's, I love Cherry Bomb. The song that really doesn't get me is Sam Cooke's uh, song bring it on home to me when they were kind of like doing a love dancing scene with him and Gamora. Um, I just, you know, I'm not a fan of those slow songs. I like the faster, fun, upbeat songs. Oh, absolutely. But I, I, I'm a big fan of Sam Cooke. I think Sam Cooke is a fantastic um, oh, yeah. writer. Yeah. And so um, I'm going to jump right to the best song out of all of them. And <laughs> oh, really? I've, yes. I've loved this song for a very long time. And it, if you think of the way the song Brandy is written. It starts, you know, he's telling a story and the story is similar, like the way the wording is, but it changes one word, which makes everything change, you know? And so it's, it's a three different parts to it and each part's changed. But my favorite song, and there's so many great songs, but my favorite song is Come a Little Bit Closer when Yondu and Rocket get the fin on and they're going through the entire ship. It's like, why would you play this song in the middle of killing all these guys? And yet they're playing the song. But I love the song because it's a progression. Like first it's, you know, um, he's at a bar and a girl comes and come a little closer. And then he realizes that it's somebody else's girl. And then he, um, he, and eventually, at the very, very end, she's telling her boyfriend, oh, you're so strong. Come a little bit closer and stuff like that. You know, it's just a fantastic song. I've always loved the song by Jay and the Americans. And I, I love that they put in this movie and that they used it at this scene was so hilarious that I just I can't stop watching that scene over and over again. You know. I'm really glad you mentioned that. And normally we get to the favorite scenes later, but this is my favorite scene. The whole Yondu and Rocket plotting their escape. Kraglin helps them escape with, of course, the help of Groot. They get out of there. That song plays. It's It, it does not fit with murdering a lot of guys, you know. Even though the guys deserve it, the song doesn't fit that. But that's one of the things I love about James Gunn. You know, he puts things that don't work together. He puts them together, and they work together. It's just so amazing. Favorite scene, Yondu and Rocket Escape. 
Dude, you copied me. I thought that that was mine. <laughs> Dang it, man. Absolutely. Well, that when is we my talk about favorite. the favorite scenes, we got a lot of other stuff to talk about too. But yeah. this is my favorite like action kind of scene. I have so many touching moments scene, but we'll get to that in a yeah. little bit. Yeah, and I really like the... Uh, the way that that Rocket and he, um, Yondu, play, uh, not really play off each other, but like in the interactions between the two when they're in the jail, when they're actually, um, uh, you know, killing all the bad guys and then flying away. And then that scene where Yondu is talking to Rocket, you know, you're me. Like that, oh, every bit of that, that whole part from beginning to end with Rocket and Yondu was terrific. And then also throwing in their baby group in there that whole mix as well is just super creative and such an enjoyable thing to watch 100% I challenge you or anybody else to give me a movie suggestion that has greater character development than Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 we learn so much more about Rocket so much more about not so much Groot but so much more about Yondu Nebula as well. I mean, so many characters get even more fleshed out than they were in the first movie. This is, I mean, I've never studied character development, never studied movie writing or writing in general, but this has to be one of the, like, I would imagine that you can create an entire course around the character development in this movie. Faith, hurry up and close the door. Close the door. What, Faith's having, she's goofing off? She came in coughing up a storm into the roof for, for some reason. I'm like, what are you doing in here? Yeah, she just wanted to say hi. She did. And then she goes out and she just walks right past the door and yeah. like, close. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's what they do. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, I got to give you a quick story about Faith. So there, she is the type that if you tell her one thing, you absolutely expect her to do the opposite of what you tell her. I mean, just it's probably just that's how I am, too. But there was something like uh, something was dripped onto the ground and she was in the middle of vacuuming and the vacuum was maybe three feet away from that drip. Just one speck, like you could, it's white. It was like maybe ranch or something. So you could easily see it. And then I go, Faith, do not vacuum right there. And (laughs) she goes, okay. And And I go, wait, wait, Faith, seriously. And I bent down, I put my finger right next to it. Do not vacuum right there i'm pointing right at it and two seconds later you see she goes "Uh uh-huh and then the vacuum just starts slow it's like it's a magnet dragging it right over to the spot i'm like stop what are you doing almost like with baby groot and and a rocket like no how is that possible i just thought that's so funny man yes yes kids are that way but here's the thing you recognize something in that moment that she was going to vacuum anyway. You actually took the time to re uh, restate it and point your finger at it. Uh, you should have known that she was going to do that. You should have put your foot in front of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, she didn't actually vacuum it, so I, I got her oh. before that. But it reminded me of Baby Groot. And here's the reason why I knew it would happen. We were in Ireland doing a, a six-week trip with a family. Um, um was Ireland. Anyways, we were going through 11 different countries and six week trip. It was super awesome. We were looking at these castles. Castles are beautiful in Scotland um, and Ireland. And I remember one specific time we got onto a little hill off of the road to look, get a better view at a castle. It was super cool. And then as we're getting ready to step down off the hill, back onto the road to go back to our car, um, one of the kids, oh, doggy poopoo. And there's a good size doggy poopoo, like really, really big, size of a baseball at least. And we're like, <laughs> everybody, okay, do not like walk around. Don't even get anywhere near it. And you just kind of see Faith like as a magnet slowly getting closer <laughs> and closer. I'm like, Faith, what are you doing? And she's, I'm, tr- I'm trying not. And she puts her foot out like to the opposite, to the, away from the poop. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, it's going to happen. And then it like a magnet right to the poop. And she steps right, like literally right in. I'm like, how is that even possible? I literally just told you I'm pointing at it. We said, don't do it. And you were just about, I said, dive. <laughs> That is so funny. That is what every kid does. They do what they should not do. It's like, it's a weird kind of psychological thing. You mention to them what they shouldn't do, and automatically their mind translates that to, Daddy wants me to do this. (laughs) But she stepped directly on it. I was like, oh my. And so, yeah, that's how I got to know that anytime I tell her to do something, I have to make sure, like, watch her like a hawk, just like baby, baby Groot. Like, how is that? I love that. How is that even possible? <laughs> yeah, that is so funny, man. 
Um, I think we got to leave this in the podcast. I don't think we should cut it out. I agree. I agree. <laughs> it was perfect. <laughs> cool me. So I don't even know where we were to, to get this started, but um, let's get back to Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Um, I absolutely love this movie. I gave Guardians of the Galaxy Part 1 an A+. This also gets an A+. Maybe it's the exact same score. Like, I can't judge one is higher than the other. They both go together. It's a perfect companion to Part 1. If you watch Part 1 and you haven't seen Part 2, what are you doing? You are foolishly missing out on something that is great. Yeah, I completely agree. Now, I would say, though, because I give it an A+, I gave Part 1 an A+, as well. They're both fantastic, but... If let me ask you a question. If you were to pick one or the other for you just to watch on a Saturday, it's just, you know, time to relax and and you just want to watch a good movie, which one would you pick? It's once again part two because it does have a lot more funny, laugh out loud kind of moments, but I still have to give part one a slightly higher grade, like an A plus plus versus part two being an A plus A plus, because you can't get a part two without a part one. So that's 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 my opinion there. That's great. And I, I'm right there with you. I, it's, it's hard for a part two to ever beat the part one. But in my opinion, I wouldn't say that I think part two beats part one, even though uh, the reason why I would say it, even though I'm not like giving that like it's accurate, I think they're right on par, just like you're saying. Um, the reason why I would say potentially part two is better is because I would pick that one over part one. Like if there's an option, it would be like, oh yeah, part two. There's just, it's so many more great things because now they're a family. Now there's more interaction together. You know, there's not a lot of development as far as like the beginning of part one. There's so much going on with different things. And, but now part two, there's, they're a family and you're really getting to see their personalities. Yeah. So I'm definitely giving this a wholehearted A plus. Sweet, man. You and I are right on board the exact same, uh, the exact same train right here, baby. So, um, yeah, so I'm loving this movie, absolutely, and there's there's so much to talk about in it, but I definitely want to start with the very first scene. I adore the Missouri 1980 intro scene, seeing a, seeing a young Kurt Russell um, uh, opposite, I can't think of the actress's name, but, you know, L- L- Little Miss Quill, of course, their love for each other. I just, I absolutely love that song. The song Brandy, you just, you cannot beat the intro to this movie. And I really like how it kind of mimics the first movie, as in we look to Earth, a pastime in Earth for the intro to both movies. And I think it's a perfect way to get back, get you back into Guardians of the Galaxy after a three-year layover. Remember, part one came out in 2014, part two, 2017, a perfect way to get you back into these characters. You are absolutely right. I do. I don't, for some reason, the, the, um, I did like, obviously love the song Brandy. Brandy's a fantastic song. Um, for some reason, the, the Missouri scene didn't hit home as well for me. I did. It was obviously, it helps you to understand the whole plot and the whole, you know, bad guy and all that stuff. Towards the end, you understand what the whole problem is and all that. Mm-hmm. And so I do completely understand that. So it didn't hit, like, out of all the scenes, that would be one that I would fast forward over. Just oh, because. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that blows my mind, man. I could never fast forward past that scene. I, I love the first scene when they are with the sovereign battling that interdimensional being. But this first scene is it hits home with me so well. I freaking love it every time I watch it. That's cool. That's cool. I thought that the sovereign scene with Groot dancing that what was really, really cool was Groot dancing. What happened what if I what I heard or read was that James Gunn was in the middle of writing the script for Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and he had this idea of the opening scene, like the opening fight scene to be part dancing and part fight. And he had the idea of Groot dancing. And uh, if you remember uh, a couple episodes ago, we talked about Groot and baby Groot. And the reason why that they brought in baby Groot was because James Gunn and everybody and probably uh, Feige and all that realized that baby Groot was a big hit. Like people love baby Groot. Probably lots of different things were sold like, like, um, you know, uh, characters or what do they call them? Like action figures and all that stuff for baby Groot in the plant. I think your wife even bought one, didn't she? Well, I bought her one for Christmas. It was a little artist rendition of Baby Groot dancing that we can put up on the fireplace mantle. And it has a couple um, uh, uh, decorations, you know, uh, Christmas tree decorations hanging from his hands. Got it. There you go. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, um, everybody loved seeing Baby Groot, him dancing and everything. And so they 
James Gunn realized he had to make baby Groot, you know, obviously running around and like it, like he is um, in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. And so that was really, really smart to incorporate that rather than just, oh, he's old now and, you know, he's, he's, he's new. So that was really, really great for him to do that. And what was cool was James Gunn, what I um, remember him saying or hearing that that whole scene of Groot dancing James Gunn basically burst into um, like a producer's or somebody else's um, room and said, hey, record me. And so he got out his phone and started recording James Gunn dancing around the room. And that is basically what the um, um, artists and the CGI people used to create um, like that. That's the dance moves that actually Groot was doing. It was exactly everything that James Gunn did. So I thought that was pretty neat. Oh, that is such an awesome story, man. It just goes to show how creative people like James Gunn or the Russos or Marcus and McFeely with the Infinity War movies, um, they're just so creative, man. And he knew right away that this is the perfect intro. And it also shows that Marvel, as opposed to maybe some other franchises out there, they really listen to their audiences. They they realize what works with audiences is something that they should continue in future movies and stuff, right? Like, if you want the audience on your side, everyone loves Dancing Groot. Freaking A, do a Dancing Groot. I love that. <laughs> exactly. So the whole opening scene, I remember the first time watching the movie theater, I was, thought, I was thinking, I was so engrossed in... Um, Groot jumping around, dancing around, beating up on those little, you know, rat things um, that it was hard for me to watch the fight scene behind him. So I was like, man, I can't wait to go watch it again so I can watch the fight scene to see what they're doing behind him. But yeah, that was a really fun, um, entertaining, enjoyable opening scene. Oh, without a doubt. And I remember, you might not remember this, but after the movie came out, your family and my family had dinner together. And we were talking about Gardens of the Galaxy 2, that opening scene, dance, uh, Groot dancing and stuff. And you had said that just exactly what you just now said. It was hard for you to pay attention to the background. And my wife, Denise, she said, oh, really? I paid attention to the background. I liked that scene and all, but it didn't really, you know, Groot dancing didn't detract me. And because she's my wife, I didn't disagree with her, but I felt exactly the same way you did. I could not wait to watch it a second time to kind of look beyond Groot and watch the action in the background. And, you know, I have to apologize to you publicly now for not supporting you when my when my wife said what she said. You know, I was being the husbandly or doing the husbandly thing, agreeing with her when I was secretly agreeing with you. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that because I do remember that conversation. I, I literally remember that conversation because I was like, yeah, it just was hard for me because I was watching it. But it, that came up. And like, she no, was all was like, easy. yeah, Dusty, you're crazy. There's nothing. Like, oh, wow. That's what... Oh, anyway. <laughs> yeah. And so, so I agree with you, but don't tell her. Okay. Absolutely. I'm on her side I, as far as you're concerned. Good thing she doesn't listen to the podcast. Yeah, so we're, we're, exactly. We're good. <laughs> yeah, right. Would my wife ever listen to this podcast? No way. Would your wife ever listen to it? Absolutely not. <laughs> How funny is that? You know, um, that, that just reminds me that um, two things real quick. Adam Carolla says his housekeeper, his uh, kids' nannies, she always listens to the podcast. And that kind of adds a little twist on things because she's he's often talking about her and her relationship with the kids and with the family and stuff. So it's cool to know that somebody that works for you, someone that's intricately um, uh, related to your family is listening to your podcast. Whereas for me, I know that for myself, um, anything that Mason or Dalen in the future, anything that they create, podcasts, YouTube videos, if they haven't end up becoming actors and you know creating movies and stuff, I guarantee I will be 100% watching everything that they do. But it's funny that, and I think if my wife created a podcast or a YouTube video series, I think I would watch that. But she will never watch my stuff, guaranteed. Yeah, absolutely. I'm right there with you. And so anything that my kids do creative wise, um, going even sports, like anything that they do, um, just showing your not, not appreciation, that's support. Not the right word. Support, exactly. Showing your support for them absolutely is something that you want to do. And it makes the person feel terrific. Hey, my dad's here. My dad's there with me. And so yeah, that's that's a great, great I mean that's could be a lesson a lesson learned out of this. Oh, without a doubt, you're right about that. And I remember growing up, uh, mom and dad would come to whatever, you know, whatever sports we had as often as they could. And I know that, you know, for dad, for example, he was working so much construction, being a GM on a four on a, on a construction site and stuff. He couldn't come to everything. So when he did come, 
Maybe at the time, it didn't mean much to me, but looking back on it now, having dad and mom there at various things when they weren't working, it really does mean a lot to me. And so for that same reason, like you just said, I try to go to every one of my kids' uh, important sports meets or games or whatever it is, you know? That's a great point. And that's something that I also do is I coach my kids' little league teams and, you know, fly football and all that sort of stuff. And one thing, though, who, one of my kids, I have four kids, and one of the kids that I have not coached yet is Faith, our youngest, the one that, you know, almost stepped in or that did step in the poop and almost yeah. <laughs> So I haven't coached her yet. And she's like, Daddy, when are you going to coach me? And so I'm definitely going to make a point. She's six years old now. And so probably either this next season or the season after, I'm going to coach her in soccer, even though I'm not a big fan of soccer. I'm definitely going to coach it because I know – all the other kids have the experience of me coaching them. And I remember our dad coaching us. And so it's just yes. a great, a great experience. And then having, and this kind of goes into the movie when you have Guardians of the Galaxy 1 shows Yondu being just a boss. Guardians of the Galaxy 2 shows that, that, um, Yondu he was, was kind of a father the whole time. Yeah, he was he was his daddy. His, he was his dad, the one that raised him, that showed him everything, that really took care of him from beginning to end. And so, you know, having somebody that's there for you, that cares about you, that supports you is just fantastic. And so um, that's something I want to do for my kids is be there for them always, as well as support them and build them up and strengthen them up. So, yeah, that I really liked the... Um, it's not a change because it was always there, but the way it came out that Yondu's character was like his dad. And even though his father was a you know crazy evil planet, he, his dad was um, Yondu. And I thought that was a really, really cool touching scene. Uh, I agree with you. And that is, I mean, there are so many great scenes in this movie, but that is my number one touching moment was Yondu and Quill finally connecting as father and son, even though maybe they've all known it, They've known it subconsciously in the back of their minds the whole time, but they never actually voiced it. And that is my number one touching, most favorite scene out of this movie. There are so many of them, and we'll get to a lot of them, but that is it. And I'm really glad that you mentioned it here. Yeah, so I would say that was my number two um, oh. touching scene. My number one touching scene is the when the um, uh, the colors of Ogord and you have Yondu and his funeral and you have all the Ravager buddies come and That was a super, super touching scene. You see, and, and it, it goes in line, you know, Peter Quill is realizing that, Hey, and this is, um, this was basically what I was searching for. You know, he was just like David Hasselhoff and which was a great reference, a pop, pop culture reference. Super oh my cool. gosh. Can you believe how that James Gunn, he was just so incredible to write that in the whole idea of David Hasselhoff. he, he thought of David David Hasselhoff as his father. It was just such a smart thing to do that most, I don't think anybody, not many people can come up with that creatively, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so that whole end scene and it, like it ties in exactly with what you're saying when, when Peter actually is told by um, Yondu, you know, basically, you know, I, Hey, I'm, I, I'm the one that raised you. Um, I love that scene at the very, very end. Cause it, it brings both together where Yondu redeems himself. Everybody else realizes, or, you know, comes back and says, Hey, he did not actually let us down. And, you know, he, he redeemed himself and you got Peter Quill realizing everything he's been searching for his whole life has been right alongside you the whole time. And so super, super cool touching part. 100% I agree with you that was vying for my number one most touching scene and I really like the very brief little snippets of looking back on Peter Quill as a child with Yondu kind of overseeing him showing him how to shoot and stuff I, I, that scene was so touching and it makes me think that um, I think in the prior episode we had mentioned or I had mentioned how um Michael Rooker has been in every single one of Sean Gunn's movies, and you had you you were the one that told me that. But I'm thinking in Guardians of the Galaxy Part Three, we'll probably see, even though Yondu died, we'll probably see some cool lookbacks into the past with Peter Quill growing up as Yondu as his dad, and that will be some really interesting stuff to look for and look forward to in the future. Yeah, definitely. And it's it was a bummer that Yondu died in this movie, but um, yeah, especially as you see him change and grow and you understand his character and everything in this movie. Really, really great. Now, uh, one scene, we already talked about it, is the scene where he and Rocket break out, but I love the interchange that they have with them too, which is really, really great, where Rocket says, you know, for a second there, I got all warm inside, but then I saw your teeth and saw how disgusting those were. <laughs> it's just so, so brilliant. And then that scene, the part... 
with Groot bringing everything like the the desk and the underwear and the severed toe and all that stuff. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Really, really cool. And I just I really loved seeing Yondu's character grow and develop in this movie so much more so than you I ever thought it would have. Yeah, 100%. I'm right on board with you. And it really it really hits home at the very last scene. You actually see Rocket looking up into the sky as all the Ravagers are shooting, shooting off their fireworks. And a tear comes down his head. That's the very last scene that we see other than those, you know, post-credit scene stuff. That's the very last scene that we see. Uh, Rocket's connection with Yondu and how he felt about Yondu at the end. I absolutely loved it. Definitely, definitely, definitely. So the end scene, when we talk about um, the, well, basically the whole end fight scene and, oh, well, pausing that thought because it brought me up, um, uh, Russell, Russell, um, Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell? Really think Kurt Russell's a fantastic actor. Loved him in things like The Tombstone and just um, uh, Tango and Cash and all those great movies. He is a fantastic actor and having him come in there was terrific i loved having kurt russell in this and that brought a great great um uh new nuance to the movie and the storytelling but yeah seeing and finding out that his dad's a celestial and everything about that that's a whole different type of being we don't even know and haven't encountered things like that obviously the celestial should be able to just crush thanos or um hella in just two seconds you know if he really wanted to but um yeah i really like what did you think about bringing in um ego and, you know, even though he has a stupid name, you know, bringing an ego's character into the story. Oh, I loved it. Bringing in Peter Quill's dad because the first movie, um, you know, it seems pretty obvious that James Gunn wrote the first movie, directed and everything with the idea of where he wanted to take part two. So he alluded to uh, Peter Quill having an, an I can't remember the wording that she used, but some kind of a weird... Um, um, I, I can't remember. You know, Glenn Close in the first movie said something about it at the beginning unorthodox of the second movie. Genealogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, that's what she said at the beginning of the second movie, an unorthodox genealogy. I can't remember what uh, what Glenn Close said in the first movie, but yeah, that unorthodox genealogy. Um, but it it was first alluded to in the first movie. So James Gunn obviously knew where he wanted to take the story, and I really like the idea that Peter Quill is part celestial, so he's part all omniscient, all powerful kind of godlike being, you know. I thought it was a really smart way to take the story. So, I got a prediction for part 3. I'm probably oh, going to be Oh, com- let me hear it. Yeah, I'm probably going to be completely off. I just hope it's going to be that case. Now, way part 2 says is that the light is in him because of his dad. Like if his dad's gone, he doesn't have the light anymore, which makes sense. But at the same time, I have a prediction that just like Thor's dad is saying, you know, you're not the god of hammers, you're the god of thunder. And so your power did not come from the hammer. You you know help us helps you to focus it. I think that Peter is actually going to come out with powers that he didn't know uh, he still had and there it didn't he didn't have to come from a celestial. Like it doesn't come from a celestial. Um, he has it in himself because so when you have something that you know you give birth to, like part of you goes into um, that n- new being, and so just because that light is now out because his dad's gone, well, he still has the celestial genes inside of him. You know, it, it doesn't. I, anyways, that's just my opinion or my prediction. I would like to see him actually have those powers still, but be able to find them in a, in a different way. I agree with you 100% that will be a part of part three because he was born with those celestial genes. Those are inherent. At the end of the movie, when he's holding his hands out and he sees the light above his hands and they go out, that's because he was expecting them to go out. He thought, oh, I killed my father. Now I lose my powers. Bam, the powers are gone. No, 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 buddy. Those genes are in in you. They're inherent in you. You're going to find those powers again. And I agree with you. Those will be seen again in part three. (laughs) <laughs> good i'm glad we're on the same page yeah, i would totally. be i would be super excited to see that and i'm i'm wondering now at the very very end we see that the sovereign and the high priestess lady she created adam which we know from the comics adam is actually if you think of the infinity war infinity gauntlet um story series like adam's a part of that too which i thought adam might be a part of the infinity war but definitely wasn't and so 
I think he's going to be a big part of part three. Adam will be um, because you could tell with James Gunn writing the story and everything, it's all leading up to, you know, the end of being three. So there's another prediction. Um, Adam will be much bigger and he's a, he's a really powerful being. Like I think he's more powerful than Thanos. Um, really, really powerful being. Um, but he's also moral, like a, a, a moral character. Like he's, he wants to do good, which is really neat to see. Now on top of that, I've heard part three is going to be more Gamora focused, which yeah. is rather interesting because we come off of Endgame and Endgame you have at the very end, Peter Quill searching for Gamora. So that's going to be really interesting. I, I can't wait to see. And plus part three is going to have Thor in it as well. We didn't even so make it so funny. I love Thor. I love, yeah, I'm so looking forward to part three. Oh, 100%. Part three is going to be an incredible movie with James Gunn writing it all. And what you just said is super interesting. Um, I had thought about this a long time because you and I have talked about all these movies forever. You had said a long time ago that uh, Gamora would be central to this part three, which means obviously that when James Gunn was writing part two, he basically knew where the character of Gamora would end up at the end of Endgame. For part three. So it makes sense that it's Gamora-centric for sure. Because Quill is trying to find her. Trying to rekindle that uh, relationship. Whatever ends up happening in part three. It's going to be super interesting to see what happens right there. And you're right. With Thor thrown into the mix. Oh my gosh. It's going to be so much fun. So exciting. So much action involved. It's going to be really interesting seeing. As we saw in Endgame. The interplay between Quill and Thor. Kind of. Both of them vying for leadership. And now, I don't know that... that. See, my guess is that Thor doesn't want to really lead anything. He wants to be a supporter. But at the same time, I think he likes... Ne- <laughs> I think he likes to needle those around him. So I think he's needling Quill into thinking that he wants to usurp his power and be in charge of the Guardians when he doesn't really... He doesn't really want that, right? He just wants to be a part of a group and do good things, I think, is what he wants. So I'm super, just like you said, super looking forward to part three. Yeah, I agree. I'm hoping that Thor is not going to look like melted ice cream anymore. Yes. <laughs> Hopefully he's going to be a bit better. But yeah, it's going to be fan- super fantastic to see Thor and all the, like, the Asgardian of the, of the galaxy. Oh, love it. And to see Groot grow up. And I love at the end of uh, part two, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, where you have Groot in as a teenager and he's like oh clean up your room and now i know how yondu felt i was like that's so awesome that's just how everything in life works out you know you're like man my my, my parents went through this with me and so now i know but um it'll be great to see think i think that group will probably be not a teenager anymore he'll probably be like a 20 something yeah yeah like a 20 something maybe Ooh, we yeah, could think little, of him as a millennial maybe millennial yes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, and I that's something I wanted to bring up was um what was really, really neat is they even though we see Guardians of the Galaxy becomes like a family, but everybody in the acting, like all the actors, they become like a family in, in Guardians of the Galaxy. I think also in the MCU they become really, really close. But um with Guardians of the Galaxy, what was really interesting, I was reading an article when James Gunn was fired from doing part three for some old, old tweets that, you know, everybody's all offended at everything now. And so he's joking, but then again, oh, he's offended. So we fired him. Well, one point is um, that all James Gunn said it was the worst and best day of his life. Worst day of his life, you know, getting fired. And it's like, you know, I made a mistake. You know, can't, can't, can somebody make a mistake and move on? Like I haven't done that anyways. And he had so many of his actors like, um, um, uh, Chris Pratt and Dave Bautista, basically everybody, everybody said calling him saying, Hey, we're with you. You know, we love you and we want you, we, we want you to be a part of it and all that stuff. We're, we're anyways, all that to say, um, he had the best day, even though it was the worst day because he got fired, but the best day, because even though he had so much vitriol and so much hate going at him, he had so many close people to him that he valued reach out to him and just love on him and show him, show him grace and say, Hey, we know you're not that. So let's uh, anyway. So it's really, really good. So that's my first point. The second point is Disney and MCU. They absolutely know that guardians of the galaxy is a money making franchise. If they did not go back and hire James Gunn. I bet there were. I, I, so I did also read that 
some directors or a lot of directors or if not all the directors turn down the role like they don't want to or the, you know, the directing job they didn't want to do that and James Gunn they hired him on again so I would hope that they now see obviously number three they know they're going to make a lot of money so money is always trumps their values anytime and so they're saying we can make a crap load of money let's just hire him back and so they're hiring him back I'm hoping that because they know how much of a money maker this is that they're going to put maybe a four or a five or a spinoff or something like that. But yeah, it's it's really telling when Disney says, hey, we value money more than our virtue signaling, signaling of firing somebody for something that they did many years ago. So it's really, really great that they brought him back on, and I hope that they continue to do so. Yeah, I agree with you there. And I think, just like you said, they wised up to their terrible decision in the past, and they realized... I mean, uh, yeah, they just realized that we can go back on that. We don't need to keep him fired. Let's bring him back on again. And I think the public will understand. Now, obviously, a lot of those people who criticized James Gunn in the past and who shot or who wanted him to get fired, sure, they're going to speak out again and bitch and moan about it. But screw them. So what? We've thought back about it. And I'm sure with their lawyers and with their marketing people, they can give a PR, a positive PR spin on this. And he'll be hired. And like you said, they know that the money is there. And that's probably the biggest reason why they did it. Not because they're trying to right a wrong, but because they know the profits are there and people will be more behind a Guardians Part 3 with James Gunn at the helm. I have no doubt that money is the only reason why they did it. Absolutely. Like there's no doubt in my mind. And you know, I, I personally think, Hey, if, if some, there, there's a room for second chances in life. And if you don't give them a second chance, I mean, like, it's just, it's just sad. So yeah, so I'm really excited. I, I really love part two. There's so many enjoyable things, the interaction between all of them. So man, we can keep going on and on, but let's jump into. Uh, more about our so we went through the favorite scene now what is your prop that you would like to have from the movie well for part one you had said you want quill's entire outfit from top to bottom head to toe helmet to boots right and i agree with that i really like that choice for the first movie well my choice for the second movie is just simply quill's helmet i mean his guns his boots and all that stuff would be great but I think that helmet is just so iconic. You see those red eyes anywhere, you're automatically going to go to Quill's helmet. So that is my prop for movie number two. And the reason why is because, no, I'm sorry, not the reason why. Um, once again, um, you know, as as I discussed with my favorite scene, Yondu's arrow is so vitally important and such an incredible weapon that would have been my selection for uh, movie two if I didn't choose it for movie one. So Quill's helmet in movie two. Dude, I think I, I'm, I'm right there with you. What's funny is I would pick Yondu's prototype fin and the arrow. If, if You know, first I actually wanted the severed toe, but I thought, eh, <laughs> the be kind severed of- <laughs> toe. <laughs> I thought that might be a little weird. So Yondu's prototype fin and arrow. I think that would be super awesome to have. But I'm surprised you wouldn't want the entire outfit because, dude, I would literally wear that. I would literally wear that outfit because it looks cool. And then put the helmet on and have the blasters. I would wear that totally. Well, I agree with you. The entire outfit is awesome, but you had mentioned it when we covered part one, so I didn't want that to be my same choice for part two. So I'm just going with Quill's helmet because it's so awesome. Got it. So you you sure you wouldn't want a severed toe? Uh, no, not the severed toe. No. Okay. Yeah. So for me, the prototype fin is super super awesome, um, and the arrow really really great. And plus, when you see Sean Gunn wearing it at the very end scene, um, the credits, and he <laughs> stabs Drax with it and then runs off. Yes, that was brilliant. Um, that was like even much more so. I'm like, dude, that that would be great to have. But here's one thing that was rather weird. He gets the um um the fin and the arrow. After Yondu's dead, after everything, you know, he's fixed it and all that sort of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Right? So after the funeral, well, what's interesting, maybe he had two prototype fins, but it looks like he only had one, because that's what a prototype is. You have one. You have, basically, it's a prototype. And so Yondu gets burned, and his funeral is, he's wearing that prototype fin, getting burnt. And then you see, fast forward, you know, uh, three minutes, and you see Sean Gunn's character, um, you know, using the fin. So that's a little... Uh, blip in the uh, storytelling well yeah yeah, maybe it's a blip but at the same time uh, whoever created that prototype fin has 
um, a schematic or a diagram of it in their computer, right? So uh, Craglin simply pulled that up and reprinted a new one with their 3D printer. Dude, you answered it right away. That was perfect. Brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Nice, man. So I'm going to ask you because my Monday morning quarterback is going to seal the game. You will never come up with a Monday morning quarterback as good as mine. So what is yours first? And I'm going to trump yours because I guarantee you don't want to follow my Monday morning with yours. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So I'm going to say that my Monday morning quarterback evades me. Just like with part one, I came up with it at the very, very last bit. I don't have a good Monday morning quarterback because the story's well-written and there's very little holes in the story. So I can't, I haven't come up with one. So yes, you're, you're right. I should not follow up with yours because I would just be a lackluster burnout. Oh my gosh, man. Okay. This is the Monday morning quarterbacks to end all Monday morning quarterbacks. What you need to do is so into your clothing, one of the aero rigs and a space suit. You are in space after all, right? Your ship can crash and burn at any given time. You need to have one of those aero rigs and a space suit on you at all times. So in your underwear, your undershirt and your underwear, you should have one of each. That is brilliant. Yep, that Absolutely. is it. There's There's no better Monday morning quarterback I will ever come up with than that. That is absolutely brilliant. Just just like just like with um, Peter Quill always wearing his helmet, like yep. he's always wearing it. You have to always be wearing it. Um, that's brilliant. Yep. Right Anybody in space, aerig rig, spacesuit, built into your clothing. So even if somebody strips you down to your underwear, you still have it on you. There you go. <laughs> yep, yep. So if they had that, Yondu would have survived. They w- would have gone off into the sunset, father and son, um, in search of Gamora in the future, you know? Yep, yep. That's great. So my first lesson that I learned is goes exactly what Peter says at the very, very end. Sometimes the thing you've been searching for your entire life is right beside you all along. So take stock, not necessarily take stock. That's not the right way to say it, but appreciate the things that are around you and be content. Don't always be looking outside of you or outside of the realm of where you're at and who you're with and say, Hey, the grass is greener over there. Well, you got to mow that grass over there too, just like this one. So if this one's dying, it's because you're not taking care of it. So always um, appreciate the things that are around you, your family and the people around you, because just because you're searching for something else, you might not want it. What you have right now is, is be content with that. Nice, man. I really like that lesson learned. And that goes right along with my first lesson. My first lesson is say the things that you want to say to somebody before it's too late. So we had a great scene at the end with Yondu and Quill. Um, and it took this scene for Quill to finally realize how Yondu felt about him. His basically his father the whole time. But possibly 10, 15 years before, if Yondu would have talked to Quill or treated Quill like a son and discussed things with him, Quill would have had a dad this entire time, right? So before it's too late, before you're on your deathbed, say what you need to say to your loved ones. That's amazing. I completely agree. You and I have said this many times. In any movie, if there's any problem communication usually is going to be the way to get rid of that problem. Like if you just communicate, everything will be just fine. So yes, I completely agree. Cool beans, man. What's your second lesson? Family does not leave each other. Like family takes care of each other. Family does not leave each other. Family does everything for each other. And so obviously they're not blood relatives, but they consider themselves family, which is fantastic. And so um, even though they get in fights, even though they argue, push each other away and all that sort of stuff, they know that they're family and they fight for each other. Oh, man, I love that lesson. And I love the whole scene with um, Nebula saying, you guys are always arguing. You don't even like each other. You're not even friends. Whatever she says. And then Drax says, hey, you're right. We're not friends. We're family. And I, I love that aspect. And and he hit the nail upon the head. And you hit it upon the head as well um, with, with the whole family aspect right there. I love it. Awesome. Now, what's your second one? Don't lock up your enemies together. And we talked about this a few movies in the past with Thor Ragnarok. Why would you lock up Thor with Hulk? They know each other. They're friends, right? Well, in this movie, why would you lock up Yondu, who is the captain of a ship? He knows the ship in and out. 
He has this freaking incredible weapon that you're just kind of keeping locked up in a drawer, right? You're locking him up with a guy who home aloneed your entire crew at the beginning of the movie when you went to attack him. He had the drop on all of you with his booby traps, or booty traps, as I should say, after <laughs> Goonies, right? You're locking these two up together? No, no, no. You screwed up. You also have Groot roaming free. What is wrong with you? You know, kill one or two or all three of these guys and just move on with your Ravenger ways. Do not lock them up together. I think that's a great Monday morning quarterback. If they would have split them up and then locked up and put Groot in a cage, they would they'd be still alive and they'd still be doing just fine. So that's a Absolutely. great, great idea. Okay, so my third one is always, always be extraordinarily humble <laughs> that is so funny i too uh, yeah. am extraordinarily i too humble. am extraordinarily <laughs> humble <laughs> that is so funny man i love and that so no. what's what's good about that role is you know james gunn wrote that not not the role that line james gunn wrote it to to you know drax is saying something saying something unwittingly funny but it makes sense that he is so literal, like they talked about in the first movie, like Rocket talked about him and his people. He is so literal. He is being literal. He's not saying that for funny stuff, but because we know that he is so literal, he is. we know that he is so serious in what he's saying, it makes that even more funny. It sure does. Mm-hmm. I, too, am extraordinarily humble. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I love that line. Oh, man. My third lesson is keep your mouth shut. Even when they're on your side, the tide can always turn against you. So it was pretty obvious if so. I think that Ego wasn't paying attention to the things that his son was saying when he was trying to bring him over to his side. He obviously loved his mommy, loved his mom's music. And then at the end, you go out and spout your mouth saying it really hurt me to give her that tumor in her brain. Well, freaking A, dude, you're turning this guy who was on your side within within you know, a millisecond, he's now against you. And it's all your own fault. What happened from this point, Ego? Yeah. Well, at the same time, he's a planet and he's like one of the most powerful beings. So I could see where he didn't care because he could just grab him and use him as a battery like he did. Well, he but wasn't if expecting- he believes that Peter Quill does have the power of a sentinel, why would you even risk that? You know, that's a good point. Yeah. And so just like with all bad guys, we all, they all tell our stories and you know, like, just keep going. Hey, Scott, you just don't get it. You don't yep. get it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we could just bust a cap at him. I'm talking about, um, uh, Austin powers. Just put a cap in him right now. We'll do it together. Boom. Boom. <laughs> Scott, you just don't get it. We tell our bad things. Like we, we tell our whole plan and that's just what we do. So yes, absolutely. Good, good lesson. Nice, man. Hey, there's one last thing I want to talk about for sure, and that's in the first movie, in Volume 1 and Volume 2, we see Quill getting angry super easily and kind of like something bad happens, and then he, he uh, you know, turns the corner and starts attacking right away, right? Like in the second movie, as soon as uh, Ego mentions, I killed your mother, bam, he whips out his guns and starts shooting him, right? Same kind of thing happens in the very first movie. He just reacts instinctively to situations. Now, I remember in Infinity War, people were criticizing, there's no way Quill would start beating on Thanos as soon as he mentions he killed Gomorrah. No, no, no. We've seen this. It's been built in the first two movies. His response to Thanos killing Gamora makes total sense to me now, especially after re-watching these first two movies. You know what I mean? That is a great, great point. I completely agree because that's something that I was thinking of. You know, well, Peter Quill is not necessarily a hothead, but when his emotions, like things that he loves gets taken away, like he definitely um, he's not as rational as he should be. That's a great point that you can absolutely see why he would punch um, uh, Thanos in the face. That's a good point because exactly we see how it happened here with his dad. Yeah, so it was built into the prior two movies. So it should be a little bit more acceptable in the third movie, Infinity War. And people yeah, should definitely. not be so quick to criticize Quill. Although, I mean, you know, it's totally fine. Let's criticize Quill because he did screw up. We could have taken the gauntlet off of him. But at the same time, it does make sense with his character. It's not like the writers and director of Infinity War screwed up by throwing in something that doesn't make sense. Yeah, gotcha. Nice, man. Anything else um, out of uh, Volume 2 that we haven't mentioned? 
No, but I think you hit it on the head a long time ago when you said if anybody has seen part one and hasn't seen part two, they're missing out. They have to go see it. So definitely everybody, you should see part one and part two. They're terrific movies. Well, everybody, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now, this past week, we were going to do Dead Don't Die, obviously. And that was Dusty's choice. It was a terrible movie. So I'm going to give you the choice for next week, Dust, to, to try to make up for this bad last movie we saw. What are we going to learn from next week? And I'm hoping you choose a good one. Hey, guys, sorry for picking at that crappy movie. Um, I just watching somebody just sit there and look at the camera the whole time like for, yeah. for 20 minutes it's just like come on do something so sorry about that but the movie that i hope is going to be really good they've had three other ones that were really really good um i am very optimistic that this is gonna be a good movie so also before i say the movie i uh, just turned 40 it was my birthday and the movie theater is going to give me a free big thing of popcorn and I get refilled so we're going to take the whole kids or all the kids and the whole family my wife we're going to go see toy story 4 nice man great choice i'm going to take my boys as well um uh, they want to see it. denise wants to see it too yeah so the whole family so that's pretty cool man when you get to take the family to the movie and then you and i get to pop on the line and discuss it afterwards for the audience you know absolutely cool cool so toy story 4 sounds good so now that you all know how we feel about guardians of the galaxy volume 2 as well as the dead don't die of course um we want to hear what you think of it as well so please visit the show notes page watch and learn podcast.com slash pod 53 go there and leave a comment read our life lessons watch the trailer for guardians of the galaxy of course and um well i guess until next week my name was sky and this is dusty And we will return next week with Toy Story 4. Toy Story 4.